Welcome to Digitally Creative. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me this week is someone who I definitely think fits the bill of this podcast. He's merged digital and making in a beautiful way, especially recently. Um, I have the one and only Grant from Dadcrafted. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Vincent? Good. Um, for those of you that don't follow Grant, Grant recently, and by recently, I mean a couple of months ago, but recently, you know, in the grand scheme of things, got himself a Glowforge. And ever since then, it's just been like, let's laser all the things. And as someone who owns a Glowforge, you guys know I have a soft spot for it. So I've been really, I mean, I've been following you since before you got your Glowforge, but I really enjoyed the stuff you've been making afterwards because it's always this constant journey of exploration into what you can do with it and the cool stuff you can make with it. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your channel, the kind of stuff you make and all that stuff so people can get a better idea of what you make and what you do. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, Grant from Dadcrafted, as you said, uh, YouTube channel, Instagram, all the things. Um, I think I started all this about four years ago um, in the fall. So maybe it's been over four now. Um, but yeah, I kind of just, started the channel mainly as like a creative outlet to just kind of, I don't know, basically give me an excuse to do all this stuff, but um, <laughs> I kind of chose. Sounds dad, like a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I chose dad crafted as a name, just kind of, I've got twin boys um, that are mm -hmm. now. So when I started this, you know, they were like five and um, I knew I wanted to make them all of the geeky crap that, you know, I probably wanted when I was a kid. So, um, started the youtube channel and i mean it's been slow growth for me i mean i'm sure you're gonna bring in tens and tens of listeners to the podcast this week uh, me. Uh, well, let me tell you something i'm pretty sure the podcast is going to give you a great big couple of dozens also so don't worry about <laughs> don't you worry your pretty little head about that <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean i i mainly started as a wood mainly woodworking you know that was kind of my mm -hmm. foray um i've always liked to make stuff i got into it a buddy of mine that was much more advanced in woodworking kind of got me started by doing like cornhole boards. Um, used to go to table, used to have season tickets to Iowa football games. So I'd go to those and we would always play cornhole. So I wanted to make my own set. And that's kind of how I decided, well, I should buy a table saw and a miter saw and, you know, started down the path of buying every single tool imaginable. That rabbit hole just keeps getting deeper and deeper too, especially with woodworking tools. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, over the course of the last, 10 to 15 years, I've kind of gathered pretty much everything I've needed. And I was probably at a point, you know, this time a year ago, I guess I was, I knew I was probably, you know, had fingers crossed that I was going to get a bonus from my job. And I was, you know, aside from just doing house stuff and paying off debt, I was like, well, let's do something fun. So I was on the fence of like, should I get a CNC or should I get a laser? Um, and ultimately chose to get a Glowforge. And yeah, like you said, that's kind of spiraled out of control this year. All the, all the things I thought I was going to do changed drastically. <laughs> yep. Once you get that thing and you go down a rabbit hole and then people tell you like, you should make this. And you're like, yeah, I should make that. I so. should make that. <laughs> I love, I love that you, I love that you went with the laser first. I always tell people that it's like CNCs are great. I'm, I, I love my CNC. But if I had to pick one or the other, which I would rather have in my shop, I would take a laser over a CNC every single time, 100% of the time, and not even think twice about it. As much as I love my CNC, I just find that the laser, if the CNC is broken, 
I'm sad. If the laser's broken, I'm out of business. <laughs> you know, it's just it it's become such an integral part of what I do that almost it almost touches every project as I'm doing it or as it goes out of the shop now. Yep. And especially with client stuff, because I do a lot of personalization. So um it's interesting when I see other people that make the same decision, you know, to get the laser first. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's totally got me into client stuff now. Um uh, and I don't, I don't feel like that was really ever the intent for me. And, um, my wife has kind of mentioned this before of like, well, why don't you like, you know, you could make some money, but if you just make some more cutting boards and stuff, and I'm like, I don't really want to make cutting boards like over and over. Like, I don't really have a lot of interest in making the same mm -hmm. thing over and over again and, and batching stuff out like that. Um, so hence, you know, I mean, I think all of us as, maker slash content creator, whatever you want to say, like we all kind of want that thing ultimately, like, God, it would be great to be able to do this full time and do it for a living or whatever. So to me, that was always the thing of like, if I can create enough YouTube videos and content, then that helps push towards the goal. And really the YouTube video is the thing, not necessarily the, the thing that I made as much, you know, um, mm -hmm. but like, I, I just haven't had the interest in, in kind of bashing things out. And when, when I thought about the CNC versus the laser, that was kind of the thing of like CNC would help me batch out a bunch of things, I think, but like, I just don't want to do it. I'd rather, I'd rather make new stuff every month. So. Well, the stuff that you're doing with the laser too, like you've done some, you've done some really cool stuff. Like you did the, um, the Harry Potter wanted posters, the GI Joe fan art that you did for um, assembly required. That was I, that has to be one of my favorite things that you've made. You just did an awesome set of shelves. For those of you watching on YouTube, um, the, the shelves behind Grant were just a project that involved the laser. Very creative use of the laser, which I never thought of. And I'm watching it going, dude, that's a really good idea. Like, I'm, I, I want to see how this is going to come out, you know. Um, I don't think that a CNC would have been the right move for you based on i mean maybe you would have just made different things than what you're making but yep. what you're making now like the detail level and like the comic book corners and all this stuff that you're doing the fan art type stuff i can't imagine that working with a cnc like i mean i guess you could if you really had the time but or not gonna get that level work. of detail <laughs> yeah and yeah I, and it's funny because like like i said it was about a year ago where i was kind of sitting on this decision and uh, I went to WorkbenchCon last year, um, mm -hmm. and I had kind of a group of maker friends that I've met in the community, but never met in person that I knew were going to be there. And we all kind of talked in advance and we're going to hang out. Um, so I did spend some time. Well, WorkbenchCon is, is cool for the sessions, but the best part about it is like just getting to hang out with everybody. And honestly, just sure. you know, the bar at night in the hotel lobby and getting to talk to everybody for hours on end is, was my favorite part of the whole thing. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know if you're familiar with uh, When Geeks Craft, Nicole. Oh, yeah. Uh, They've been guests on this very show. <laughs> see, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I talked, to, I talked to them quite a bit about the laser, mm -hmm. and I know they've um, done a pretty good job as far as the referral codes. Well, they were at least, I think, before the prices went up at Glowforge. But... Oh, their maps. <laughs> their maps are just. <laughs> oh, they're so awesome. And that's, like, part of it. Like, I was, I was kind of like, I really got to have that breath of the wild map. I really need to make that thing That's probably <laughs> on my list at some point, or maybe I'd wait for the new video game, but 
Um, this is the second podcast in a row that Breath of the Wild come up. Donovan is finally going to be okay with me again. It's like, okay, I may not love the game, but we've mentioned it twice in a row. It's good. We're good. <laughs> yeah. oh, I love that game. Uh, it's our favorite, me and the boys. That's kind of, mm-hmm. and we're about ready to pick it up again, I think, because the new game comes out in May. We're going to see if we can yep. get through it in the next four months. But, um, but no, talking to Nicole kind of in the lobby over drinks one night, and we were going back and forth on like, she was like, you know, kind of asking, well, what are you going to use it for? Like, what, what do you think you're going to do? And my wife had just got a cricket machine. So we were kind of like, well, you could do the cricket for a lot of the, you know, the stickers add on. So maybe the CNC would be the better way. And like, we went back and forth over the course of a half hour, just like, you know, do the CNC. Nope. Nope. Do the Glowforge. And then finally I was, I think we ended up like, let's just do the Glowforge like that. I think that would be the best for what you do. And yeah, I'm totally, totally happy that, that's the route that I went. So many people. It's so funny to me because when I bought when I bought mine, I bought the plus and it was I remember it was fifty two hundred dollars. And when I bought it, I bought it in the I bought it in the, the fall of 20, 2018. I bought it in the fall of twenty eighteen and I got it on Christmas Eve of twenty eighteen. That was the day that FedEx dropped it in my garage. And I remember I remember the agonizing <laughs> over the price. And the, I just was the fifty two hundred dollar price tag. I mean, that was all in. That was everything shipped. Everything it was the it was fifty two hundred dollars sales tax. The whole thing. And I remember sitting there going, I don't know if I can justify fifty two hundred dollars. I don't know if I can justify fifty two hundred dollars. And I happened to be listening to a podcast as I was trying to make the decision, and it was my business mentor's podcast. And in in one of the episodes, he actually said, he goes, "If there is a piece of equipment that you can buy." that you know will add value to your business guaranteed and you don't buy it, you're not taking your business seriously enough. So if it's going to add value to your business, figure out how to afford it, borrow, steal, whatever you have to do, get the money together and get it and you'll benefit immediately. And it turns out I paid it off in four months. And this, this albatross around my neck of $5,200 I was panicking about was a non-issue four months after I bought it. I was like, wow, this was like, this wasn't the decision that I made it out to be. It was actually a smart decision. And now four years later, I'm still using the same machine. I mean, I know it's on borrowed time now, right? Because they only last about five years. The tube only lasts five years. And at that point, it's cheaper to just buy a new one than to buy a new tube. But man, that thing has really paid for itself like 50 times over. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I probably haven't paid for mine yet. And I got the, I got the smaller model, but that was kind of the other mm-hmm. thing of mentioning Glowforge and their prices. I kind of heard from the, the people in the know that that was about to happen. Oh, that yeah. was kind of the other thing that it was like, if you're ever going to do this, like do it right now before the now's the time. They went up in mid March last year, I think, in 2022. Yep. So, yeah, that was kind of the thing, and I had the money due to the you know the work bonus kind of helped. So that. But again, I, I haven't looked back from that. And that's kind of led me more into this whole digital sphere. Because before this, I, I wasn't much, I wasn't into much digital creation at all. You know, I had a little bit and I've always had, you know, I'd always had plans and things written down kind of in my one note about future state and what I want this to look like eventually. Um, and part of that was products and trying to brainstorm product ideas or things that I could sell if I opened up an Etsy store and, you know, I finally did that last year and I don't think I ever would have done it without the laser. Like, I mean, and I'm, I'm teetering on that line because you mentioned some of the marble corner box art. I'm sure if I ever got big enough, 
the people at Disney will probably send me a cease and desist letter, which will probably. probably like frame and hang on my wall somewhere in here. But um, yeah, that's one of the, the pieces where I'm like, I'm kind of using the, the geekdom stuff to hopefully get awareness to the channel. Sure. And then, you know, maybe I have to pivot someday, but I'm like on Etsy, I'm not really, I put up some of those corner box art, but I didn't put any up that had the word Marvel. I kind of, of like I just not. put the art of Spider-Man and, you know, my justification, I guess, in my head anyway, is like, well, I drew it. Like I kind of, I redrew it and I'm not putting Marvel and I'm not putting the word Spider-Man anywhere. And I'm sure that's the thing. So, I mean, <laughs> I know that, I know that they go, you know, it's funny. It's a weird balancing act because I know they go after people, but I also know there's a lot of people on there with it. Oh, so it's, it's, you're, you're kind of just rolling the dice at any given moment, right? It's like, you know, are they going to sue you realistically? Could they? Yes, they absolutely could. They could sue you until you're broke, right? Are they going to? Probably not. They're probably just going to go take this down and you're going to go, okay, and take it down, right? I mean, that's that's I mean, that's that's as far as it's most likely gonna go. So, yeah, I I do love the spin you put on the stuff. Though I really enjoyed when you did the corner, um, the GI Joe cards, yeah, for assembly record. Like I loved watching you do that. I loved watching you kind of go through the process of bring of getting the art together and cleaning it up and then painting it. And there's been a lot of times where you, I've watched you do stuff and I've gone. I wouldn't have done it that way, but that definitely works. So Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's better ways of doing all this stuff. Um, but the GI Joe stuff was a ton of fun and, and it probably didn't get the, the views or the traction that I wanted, but like, I don't know, that was kind of a thing where I made a YouTube video of it and I don't know if you've had a chance sure. to watch that, but I kind of talked through like how I, I, that was more of a blog style video, which is a little weird for me kind of talk more mm -hmm. about how it came up and my brother has been going to it for years. My brother's and the footage, brother. the footage from the show was actually really cool. It made me want to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a cool thing compared to like what it used to be. And this is the first time I've ever mm -hmm. been, but you know, from hearing from my brother, he has been to it every single year. He's like, this is a couple of tables. Like it, when it first started, it was some four dudes and a couple of tables and you know, it was nothing. And now it's this big thing, you know, big for Iowa standards. I mean, having it at, Hy-Vee Hall, which is like our big convention center, even if it only is using like three conference rooms, like it's a pretty big deal. Like then it was packed. I mean, there sure. was a ton of people. Um, my stuff didn't sell so well, but um, <laughs> my brother cleaned house. He, he 3D printed tons of toys, basically, not action figures, mm -hmm. but like the vehicles. Um, he finds some of the thing. He's bigger in that G.I. Joe, Joe community than I am, certainly. But he has found a lot of the the smaller vehicles that they don't make for like the six inch lines and he 3d prints those and brings them and people buy them like crazy. Like he cleared like a thousand bucks the first night I was like, and it wasn't even, that was like the night that was exclusive. It was a smaller audience by far. And I'm like, you're going to run out of stuff. Like you're not even going to have, it. you're not going to have anything for the rest of the weekend, bro. <laughs> I'm like next year I'm, I'm making toys. Like man, I'm coming back no, with toys. I'm amazed. I'm amazed, especially with 3D printing. I'm amazed that people have figured out that, especially in the Masters of the Universe line, for some reason, apparently it's probably because Masters of the Universe was catered to a younger audience, but a lot of the, the weapons go missing. It's it's almost a fact of life that most people that even have the figures don't have any of the weapons. Yep. And a lot of people have figured out that if you get a resin printer, 
And you can really, really design because none of the weaponry on Masters of the Universe is terribly complicated. It's all kind of chunky and yep. basic shapes. And they figured out that, hey, I could do repros of these weapons and everything's just going to be great. And it's so cool to watch. Like, I'm literally watching my childhood get restored in front of me by people who are so passionate about it. You yep. know, it's so much fun. The, and the, I mean, the sad part about that is that, like, me having two kids that are nine, like, they do not care. Like, I've tried to make them <laughs> care. They do not care. No, I mean, they just don't. And I've, I'm not the only parent. Like, all my friends that have kids the same age and my, my brother, again, like, he, he has got a toy hall of fame in his basement pretty much. Like, he's a giant collector. But, like, mm -hmm. even his kids did not care about toys. They just they, really? they care more about video games and, you know, the Roblox, the Minecraft, like that immersive world, they do not care about action figures. I've bought my kids action figures for their birthday and for Christmas for the last five years, and they don't even take them out of the box. And if they do, they take them out of the box and they play with them once, and then they are left to play wow. dust. I mean, it's, it's just different. It's totally different from when we were kids, and, like, we valued that stuff. And I think, you know, oh, my God, yes. When they're my age, they're not going to care about any of this crap probably that was sacred i remember when i was talking to john from gen x grown up I, I mean i can very distinctly remember the christmas morning i got castle grayskull oh yeah yep. and and that was like the most important christmas ever because for some by some miracle i got so much masters of the universe stuff that year and i remember that very vividly and now kids i mean I don't, I'm not going to slag off on kids. It's just the environment the kids are in, right? Yeah. But, you know, they don't get things anymore. They get codes, and they go on their Nintendo Switch, and they pop a code in, and then they have a new game, and they play the game. And mm -hmm. If they're anything like me, they play the game for about 20 minutes, and it's like, okay, I'll come back to that later. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I had I mean, the experience initially. It is so different, though, because, like, you know, I remember as a kid playing with my toys or, but it was always like you would play, have GI Joe battles with your friends, you know, and they would come mm -hmm. over and you'd kind of get them all out and make a mess and make your parents nuts. But like these guys play Minecraft together. Like, and I mean, yeah. we, moved, we moved here last year. We've been in this house for a little over a year ago. We didn't move far. We lived in a smaller town called Winterset right outside of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, and they still have their friends from Winterset that they play online with all the time. Like they're still buddies because, you know, normally you would have moved away from Winterset. You never would have seen these kids again, probably. But like they talk to them every day because <laughs> I moved six blocks do. away. At I, I when I was when I was first moved to Brooklyn, when I was four years old, I had a couple of friends that lived around me and I played with those friends all the time. I moved eight blocks down the street and I never saw them again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like it wasn't even another town. Yeah. We were literally, you know. I basically, it was like, you know, when, when I was a kid, it's like you changed schools. Well, you died. Sorry. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you know, you're, you're not in the group yeah. anymore. <laughs> Fell off a cliff. I mean, was yep. Yep. Game. But I mean, that kind of, you know, the internet, it, it's, you know, it changed everything. And like, that's part of, sure. I don't know if this is a transition away from toys, but like, for me, this whole community of Instagram, YouTube, whatever has been just like the biggest thing as far as not only like inspiration for making stuff, but just, you know, like making new friends and people that I never would have met, you know, I mean, I've got my friends from, from high school and I've got my friends from college and obviously I've got my brother and out of all of those people that I've known in my life, my brother's probably the one closest to me as far as like, 
the geeky crap that we're into and, and those sites and making stuff, you know, but like outside of a couple people, nobody in my friend group does this stuff, you know, like nobody. <laughs> so having Instagram and realize like I'm the old person with the gray beard that like didn't, I was late to the game of understanding. You know, I thought YouTube was like, Oh, I need to learn how to tie a certain knot. That's what I search on YouTube. I didn't realize there was this group of people that, made weekly content of different things and made a living off of like I totally oblivious to that for the longest time. So kind of when I started this and started to get involved, like, you know, I was just sharing stuff into the void of like no followers or whatever. And, that, and to have like certain people that had not huge followings, but like, you know, modest followings in the 10,000 range or whatever, like see your stuff and then share it mm -hmm. when you don't even ask them to. And like you did something cool and then you just start kind of conversing with people. Like it's just, again, a whole different way, like going to workbench con and like, it's kind of weird in a way. Cause you're like, you're seeing your Instagram feed in real life. Almost like all these people that are watching. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm in my Instagram feed for real. I'm inside my phone now, but like yeah, seeing the people the that you've way. talked to and like, you know, getting to actually have real conversations with these people and talk about stuff and, and have a conversation that is about, making and the cool stuff that you're into rather than like you tell somebody at a party that you're into making and then you know they're like what about the football game you know like because <laughs> they don't care they don't want to hear about it i had the same feeling when i went to um when i went to jimmy speedway the last time and when i went to maker camp in october it was the same that same vibe of wow you know there's you know we always i always talk about how in in your shop you always feel like you're the only one doing a specific thing you're the only one it's you you're alone and there is a lot of solitude in this for most of us right because most of us don't work in a shop with other people but man when you get in that room with a bunch of people and you're kind of sitting there together and you're just shooting the shit about whatever it is you're making or whatever it is you're passionate about you know i have this personality thing where for me even if I'm not into what you're into, if you're passionate about it, I get excited about it because I get excited. I think that's why I like doing this show so much because I can get somebody on that does something I am completely dispassionate about and be super excited about it by the time I'm done talking to them because their passion, I find that passion infectious, you know, and I, it's different with you because I'm into the stuff you're into, but <laughs> it's like, I watch, you know, I watch, the detail and the effort that you put into, I keep going back to the GI Joe cards because it's one of the more recent videos, but the amount of effort that you put into making sure that was, those were just right. You know, the effort you put into what went behind the characters, something that people probably wouldn't even think about, but to someone like you and me, we look at that and go, yeah. that's it right there. That's it. That's important. That matters. It's but. the small stuff. It's the minor details. And there's so many more mm -hmm. of those that, you know, um, that I'm probably going to steal from. I mean, I've been listening to the audiobook steal like an artist and like I'm very early in the book, but it's so true about like, you know, if you just go steal somebody's work like that. Yeah. That's stealing. But like, it, it's more about taking inspiration from various areas um, sure. and trying to do things to tweak it, to make your own. And when I see, um, well, I, it's back in the corner. It's one of those blue lights behind me, but like, on my Instagram feed, I'm going to start posting a lot more about this. There's a Black Panther Wakanda Forever poster that I made. And, you know, it was a poster that I saw online. Um, it was like the IMAX poster, the Dolby digital poster or something. I need to actually research who the artist was because I would need to call out who made it. But, like, I saw that and I was like, now that would be a laser project. Like, that would be 
something I could do. And I just started brainstorming about like, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm taking components of this for sure. Um, and mm -hmm. it's going to look a lot like that poster almost exactly when I'm, if it works right in my head. But, um, but to do that, I was like, I could make it with lights. I could make it because the poster kind of looks like it's basically try to describe it. It's Namor from Wakanda forever. It's basically his helmet with all the feathers around it. It's that's the majority of the poster and it's kind of got a water background. And then it's got a shadow outline of the heroes, the good guys in the front. It's just a black outline of them standing there like on a, on a cliff or whatever. And there's kind of light cool. shining up behind them, shining on the front of the mask, and it gets darker towards the top. And I was like, I could totally do that in a way that, you know, make like a shadow box, light it up from the bottom behind them, and and use laser the laser to cut out the mask and the feathers and everything. And then, then I was like, well, I could do resin, like I could pour resin between the feathers and everything, because of kind of what it looked like in the poster. And it... I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I freaking love this thing. Like the way that this turned out is above and beyond anything that I hoped that it could be. Like it is perfect. And now I was originally thinking like, man, I could try to sell this. Like there's no way I'm selling that thing. Like no, uh, well, that's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, it's totally a keeper. I got to start making two. When I do these, I'm going to start cutting on the laser and cut two at a time. Good idea. Two at a time. That way. I've got one to sell if I want to, I've got one to keep, but like this was, um, I don't sound grandeur here, but like an evolution from the Marvel stuff and everything that I've learned since I got the laser. Cause like when I got the laser again, like thinking like, you know, I can't sell Marvel stuff per se, but like if I ever do a Patreon someday, I could probably put these files online as a perk, a part of my Patreon. So I'm trying to build like my own digital library now. So the way mm -hmm. I've been doing this is um, using my iPad and using Procreate. And that's basically where I do a lot of my drawing, doodling. Um, and I will draw stuff out there. And, you know, that allows you kind of like, and I use GIMP a lot, free software on my PC. Um, but Procreate allows me to do the layering. So like that Wakanda Forever poster is probably 30 some odd layers, at least maybe 37, <laughs> maybe 40 layers. Um, wow. And then, you know, I can bring those in and then I, when I change them to vectors, I use Inkscape and then I get the sizing right there so that when I pull it on the Glowforge, I don't have to resize in the Glowforge UI. Everything's perfect. Um, so if I wanted to make another one of those, I could replicate that. It's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of resin with that. So that's where I'm a little nervous. And when you do a resin project, you know, it's like, man, don't screw this up. Like those are the <laughs> in that case, moments. You better make four of them when you're making a resin project. I've, I've been working with resin for years and I always just, it's always a butt clench moment. The second you yeah. start mixing, it's like, well, no turning back now. It's either yeah. going to work or it's not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a person that, you know, I figure this stuff out on the fly all the time. Like I, mm -hmm. the, especially this thing too. And even the Lego shelves, like I was totally figuring this out as I went. And when I, when I originally planned to do the shadow box, the backer basically that is the poster, the outline of the thing, I didn't plan on doing a resin pour. I was just like, we're just going to paint it and I'll kind of weather it up to try to make it look like water or whatever. But when I painted it, it was so bright. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't like that at all. And then I kind of talked mm -hmm. to a few people and they were like, just pour resin in it. You don't need to pour very much. Just do like, you know, one sixteenth of an inch. It's probably good. Just do a little bit of dark resin. And so I did, I just mixed some different blues and dark blue and a little bit of green and came up with this weird color that kind of matched what I thought it would look like in the poster. And, 
but yeah, that when you're pouring that that night, I was doing it. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna screw this up so bad. And I like, you know, I forgot to level it. Like I, after I pour, I'm like, oops, I didn't bring a level down here. And then I'm like, where's my heat gun? And I'm looking all over my shop and I can't find my heat gun to get the bubbles out. Luckily I found, I still had a torch that was probably like 15 years old, but uh, be prepared, be better prepared than I am. Cause I'm totally just figuring this out on the fly. Adaptation is important. I mean, even in your, even in your most recent video with the shelves, you know, I was watching you put them together and you're like, why is this not working? And you take the shelf and you just flop it up and down. It's like, why is this not? And I'm like, why the hell did that happen? <laughs> like, and I was, I was actually annoyed for you. I'm looking at it going, oh, that would piss me off so much. Like, all right, how's he going to re- putting the shim behind? It was actually a really good idea. I was like, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. But man, it was just like those little things. You don't, you, you could prepare for everything. There were two things in the video that I was so happy that you left in that the bottom shelf was a little too far to the right. Because yep. you you and you like I cannot do that math yeah. on the fly. I just I cannot. I don't even pretend that I can. So <laughs> um and then the shelf, the bracket just not really, you know, butting up to the wall correctly and just kind of just flopping around a little bit. But you just kind of took it in stride. It's like, all right, fine, here we go. Everything's going fine. Then you get to the last panel of the design, it's like so back down to the Glowforge I went to cut two more yeah. because I didn't leave enough space, you know. I feel like that's kind of the I don't know. That's the process, right? For people like us, like it's we don't have an engineer that goes into a project and goes, this is how much of this you're going to need. Do it this way. Everything's going to be fine. It, for us, it's more of, okay, this should work and be prepared to be flexible if it doesn't. I think that's kind of the best attitude to take, especially on the bigger the project gets, the more areas you're going to need to be flexible in. But yeah. in the end, if I hadn't watched the video, I'd never know that anything went slightly sideways with it so well right and that was you know that was probably my philosophy for the first several years of doing this like i mm. would always it was always so much easier to edit out the mistakes and, sure you know it's like i don't want to deal with the comments because i probably did that wrong so it was and, and i want to keep <laughs> You'll still deal with the comments my friend oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know like i i want to keep the, the video as short as possible. And, you know, it's one of those things of like, you got to kill your baby. You got to, you got to keep cutting it down and make it, you know, get any of the fat out of there. And the, the mistakes are always the easiest thing to cut. You're like, I don't really need this, but I've kind of made a decision. Like I'm going to stop doing that because I think the mistakes add to the whole concept of what I want to put across the channel of being like, you know, I try to make cool stuff. You should be able to make cool stuff too. And everybody comes across that stuff. I am not an expert. I am an idiot. Like I don't know anything. And, and yeah, you can look at my comment, go look at my comments, like on my canoe paddle video, if you want to see some of the people telling me what an idiot I am, but like, <laughs> I don't know that, or I'm, I'm going to chop my fingers off. You know, I love the safety police on YouTube. Oh yeah. The safety police are my, the safety police are my favorite. You know, you watch someone's like, I, and they always, and as Grant from clamp always says, there's, there's always somebody in there who will tell you exactly how long they've been doing that thing too. Yep. I've been a woodworker for 25 years. I have three fingers and I'm telling you that's dangerous. It's like, if you have three fingers, you probably shouldn't be telling anybody what dangerous is. Yep. <laughs> you clearly got it wrong, my friend. <laughs> I've still got 10. Thank God. Knock on. Exactly. Finger. But yeah, that, the safety that... police are a fact of life. <laughs> yeah. But that whole concept is I'm going to do a lot more of that, of, of leaving the stuff in where I screw stuff up. And, uh, 
you know, cause it's relatable and like people get it. And kind of like you said, like you, you were glad that you saw that stuff. I mean, that's, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Well, I wouldn't have thought to put a shim behind it. My thought, my immediate thought was, Oh crap. Okay. And I start, it's funny. Cause when something like that goes sideways, I start thinking like, okay, how would I fix this? How would I fix this? Uh, well, I would maybe use a longer or a different kind of anchor to put it on the wall. Yep, I and did. Maybe- See, I did do that and I omitted that. <laughs> So I did omit something. <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's but that's the thing. Like I like it because it kind of flexes your muscle, your brain muscle a little bit, right? You're looking at it going, all right, how would I solve this problem? How would I solve this problem? And great, I'm glad you tried that, by the way, because I'm like, wow, okay, I wouldn't have solved it that way. That's actually much easier than what I had in mind. Yeah. It's um, one of those deals too of it, you know, they're IKEA shelves. So that's, mm-hmm. I think I bought two big two long sets that are close to seven feet and then the other ones are the shorter like two and a half three mm-hmm. feet um and then you know the, the, they're put together and then skinned with the laser panel so it looks like one giant shelf but it was that problem of i think it was the shorter they have you the, the shorter black screw into yeah. the wall that have the poles that stick out that you just slide the shelf into those poles were just kind of bent down or something it just wasn't the same exact angle as the other ones i could sense your frustration when you did the left side of the bottom shelf and you went to put the shelf on and the and the little bit of the laser panel was hanging over. And oh, I could God. feel your frustration as you went to put the shelf in and you're like, I could almost feel your teeth like gnashing yeah. as you're like, what do I do now? God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those things too of like, I do, there's so many times, especially over the past, before this last year probably, where it's so much easier to just, I record everything on my phone. Like I don't. I don't have a fancy camera. Mm-hmm. Everything is, and I've got an iPhone 14 or whatever now, but, but like everything I do is recorded on the phone and it's so much easier sometimes to just hit time-lapse and go, you know, like, cause for editing later, like, you you know, now instead of a five minute clip where I've got to figure out the important points, I've got a 20 second clip and it's just so much easier editing wise, but that's kind of the easy way. And if you do something like that, you miss it. Like you don't have it. So I'm trying to right. just use the regular recording speed especially when I'm doing something that potentially could be wrong <laughs> so that I have <laughs> my reaction in real time to show that like, Oh dude, you're an idiot. Like why? why did you do that? <laughs> I was enjoying so much as you and your son were putting the, the stuff up on the shelves and you're like, as you could tell, we're big star Wars fans. I'm like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's all star Wars Lego from yeah. one side to the other. Mostly, mostly pretty much. Um, we've got, we've got some other Lego too, but um a lot of this stuff, honestly, we've still got boxed up from the move. But again, trying to get my kids to play with toys. That's the other part. I think I enjoy the Legos more than they do. But. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I think it's kind of cool, though. I like I like that you're what you what you like. That room is becoming more of I like this stuff. Here's the stuff I've made for that IP. You know, you have the wall of the Marvel comic book art. And then behind you, you have the Lego and that stuff. And I kind of like the way you're you're kind of decking out that room that you're in with the stuff that matters to you i think that's something that we don't appreciate as makers often enough is the ability to just go i'm really into this i'm gonna make i'm gonna make stuff that i'm into and decorate with it and make it pretty and make the room look good you know make it make something cool with it yeah well they get into it too you know having the kids and like you know when Mm -hmm. they they want to hang out here now that was like we've got two different really kind of like recreation rooms in our basement that are finished um, mm-hmm. and the other one has like the nicer carpet and the nicer couch and the bigger TV. So like, they're usually in there and they would never use this room. And I was like, I kind of had it in my mind of like, well, I want to turn this into the fun room. Like I want this to be the place where they want to hang out. 
So I kind of slowly, like I've got an old Lego shelf that was one of my early YouTube videos that I made that it, it looks like it's made of giant Lego bricks. Like I cut out dowels to, to be the, the bricks around the top and, and it's painted like the original Lego primary colors, you know. So I put that back up. We started putting sets up there and I've got an old nightlight that I made and I put that up. And then I did some uh, lightsaber holders a year ago because when we went to we went to Disney World back in mid 2021, kind of at the, I don't know, after we'd been vaccinated, but before Omicron, I don't know. We, we got to go to Disney World and it was awesome because there wasn't five million people there at once. <laughs> but we got the uh, we got the lightsabers. Um, they did the build your own lightsabers at Savvy's workshop. So I was like, oh man, I got to make, I got to make something. Um, those were kind of like the last couple things that I did before I got the laser. Um, so they're like resin, I, they did different designs and I designed them after the, when you get a little, when you get a lightsaber from Savvy's workshop, they give you a little pin based on mm -hmm. which there's four different kinds you can pick and you get this little pin and it's got a different design for each one. So I took those and I kind of tried to make the lightsaber display look like that shape and design and then i cut out the middle and filled it with the, the different their favorite color of resin and then lit it up with these neon lights behind it and everything um there's some youtube videos out there on those too yep. but my star wars stuff never gets as much traction as i wish but if anybody wants to see those they're pretty cool um but those things you know i've got all these different things in this room that are lit up now and mm -hmm. the lego shelves now and the wakanda for everything and like they've been hanging out here now like they've they actually come in here and watch TV and play in this room now. It's, I mean, mm. have the aesthetic and it looks cool. Like it kind of matters. Like they like it as much <laughs> as I do almost probably not close. Maybe. What, um, are there any properties that you haven't made anything for yet that you're thinking like next on the list? Like it's kind of, cause you've done, you've done your GI Joe stuff. You've done your, you've done Marvel stuff. You've done star Wars stuff. Is there anything where you're going, and you've even done Harry Potter. Is there anything where you're like, I'm going to branch off into that next? Like that's the next area of stuff that I want to look into. Uh, I think some Nintendo for sure. Um, yes. Mario, Good man. Good man. Probably Mario specifically. I mean, I have done, I've done some Zelda stuff. I've got some old videos mm -hmm. where we did um, like the Hylian Shields and um, the, uh, God, what else did we do? I know I did more Zelda stuff. Oh, I did the, I 3d printed the, uh, one of the spears, I can't even remember the name of it, the Royal Halberd maybe, um, from Breath of the Wild. But like somebody made an awesome design that we found on Thingiverse and we printed it off and painted it and did the whole thing. It's a short video, just, you know, somebody else's design. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I could make Breath of the Wild weapons for days. Like I love that stuff. And the boys have been asking me to make a master sword forever, but someday. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, my brother got me a, uh, an arcade kit, like a bar top arcade. That's just basically all the, the, uh, MDF pieces, like half inch MDF. Oh, cool. Yourself. And I've had it for probably three years and I have not assembled it. And he is probably annoyed with me, but like, it's I just, will... it's just the outers or is it like the stick, the sticks and buttons and, oh, the he gave me and all that? He gave me the whole kit. That's got, what are you doing, man? Uh, <laughs> terrible. I know. Well, again, I know my kids probably won't play it cause they'd rather play Roblox or whatever. Um, but being a maker that makes my own stuff and makes wants to make YouTube videos, I have struggled with that thing as far as like, how would I turn that into a YouTube video? Like I don't still want to put together a bar top arcade and try to make a YouTube video. That's boring. Easy. So, Easy. You don't make it as it is. 
Well, yeah. So I, I, that, I think I'm finally getting close to the right idea as far as the stuff that I can do on the laser now and the stuff that I've done mm-hmm. with like the corner box art and that Condor Forever poster and resin. I think I've got a somewhat of a plan in my head about how I can skin that thing, light it up, yeah, and turn it into something that is, you know, an homage to video games from my youth that will be played on that. So, and what you do, and what you do, what you do, you know, this is just my my advice. Take it, leave it, whatever. But I think what you do is you you put it together as basic as possible, you know, because I know that the the MDF generally doesn't have decals on it. It's just a no. black M black painted MDF. Even if it's painted, most of them aren't even painted now. No, this and they this just is an they, older one. This they're just primed. Um, and you just go from bland to beautiful, and then you you know you build the whole thing, right? This is really cool. But now we're going to make it even cool, and now you start doing all the crazy customization to it because. Man, I, just seeing what you've done and the ideas that you've come up with, dude, yeah, that's, that's that's I love this idea now. I, I'm kind of annoyed that you have it sitting there, but I'm kind of <laughs> glad that you waited because now you have the glow for it. You can do something really cool with it. Yeah, because before that was always the concept of like, well, I'm just going to hand paint it. Like I, I'm a pretty, pretty decent artist in my own mind, at least. Clearly. I can. That comes through in your stuff, by the way. Thanks. Um, but I can take a, I can take an existing comic book picture or video game picture and i can pretty much make that a one-for-one on my own just by looking at it and drawing it out on paper um me coming up with something on my own like i can take a i can take a todd mcfarland picture of spider-man and i can almost make it exactly a one-to-one just by looking at it but for me to try and do my own spider-man pose in the style of todd mcfarland it'll look terrible like i can't Right. I don't have the creativity or something in my brain that makes me that can make me do that level, but and that's probably just because I haven't practiced. I mean, if I put my mind to it, maybe I could. But but so that's kind of where I think with this I can take enough of the old retro style games, whether it's screenshots of games or figures of dudes and do a mashup. I think I can make something work for that. But yeah. Pull off some kind of like Wreck It Ralph style uh yeah, Wreck It Ralph, or um, like uh, what should we call it? Like um, Ready Player One, or something where it's just n- a nostalgia trip on the sides. Yeah. And, like that would be. I think that would be great. I think that's a because a lot of people. I, I'm amazed by how many of these like kits that I've seen floating around. I've seen how many videos there are on people making their own cabs. You know, tabletop cabs, full size cabs, third size cabs. Like everybody's just making their own now. It's even. I mean, now we're at a point, and I've been seeing these machines. They're so tempting. Was it Legends Pinball? The Legends Pinball machine? And I'm looking at this thing going, I have no room for it, but I want it so <laughs> bad. Yeah. Like, it's 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 just too much for my apartment, but man, do I want one. Like, I don't recognize any of the tables. The tables are none. The funny thing is that all the – I realized that a long time ago that all the tables I played as a kid were midway tables, and nobody has licenses for midway tables. So they're all like – um what's that the brand that they all have stern they have stern and now there's this other italian brand that's in this whole setup but it looks so cool (laughs) it's like oh i would love to stand in front of this thing and just flapping on buttons and stuff and this whole community of just building out these old machines is blown up so you you'd be right in a very very optimized community for uh for that project oh yeah and again like I'm sure my brother, my brother bought it for me. I'm sure he's super annoyed that I haven't done it. And he is a junkie. Like he's, he's built his own Tron machine 
and I think he 3D printed the the Tron handle. Um, wow! But like, yeah, he's got like six arcade machines that he's built. It's been watched. Wait, it's wait what? for me to do one for three years. And he was like, "Why don't you just go to this website, print off the decals?" And I'm like, "I don't want to print off decals. That's lame. Like, come on, man. I'm gonna, I gotta <laughs> I remember, make this thing remember, good. I just need the right idea." I remember watching a video, and this is this is. I mean, for those of you that aren't in this community of like retro arcade cabs, there is a an amount of attention to detail that you don't understand. Like it's just, you really don't understand. Like I was watching this one guy and he's building a cab from scratch and he's like, okay, so the first thing we're going to do, and he gets these beautiful Sanwa sticks and buttons. Like for those of you that don't follow along too much, Sanwa is the gold standard of buttons and sticks for arcade cabinets. Like they just are the absolute best. If you're going to, if money's no object, that's what you buy. If money is an object, find knockoffs on Amazon and hope for the best. That's pretty much the way it works. And this guy goes, but these sticks don't feel quite right because the stick is only like a six-position stick. We want an eight-position stick. And he takes the stick apart and he takes this acrylic thing that he puts over it to make the to give it an eight-way stop on the stick. And it's just like, I never would have even like how do you even know that exists? You know, <laughs> it's like there's a level of expertise that the average person who's just a passion player has collected. Now it's like, man, what we're capable of in this community is as good as what the professionals were putting in stores and arcades, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's, it's wild. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's inspiring too. It's inspiring too, because I love seeing, I love seeing a kid playing Miss Pac-Man. Oh yeah. Cuz it's we, like they don't they don't know that it's an old game. They just know it's a game that's out there. Like the younger the better. Like get them young because I like I was I was talking about this with John too from Gen X Grown Up. Kids pick up these games and yeah, they don't look as good as games that they play now, but you can kind of see they get it real quick. And they start playing these retro games and it's like all of a sudden this game is like I want to play that game for a while. Well, and you know, I mean, it's... some of that, you know, there's been this resurgence too. like, well, the retro stuff, like we can go to my brother's place and the, he's got a, an original like Gauntlet 2 machine and my kids will play that. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a great we game. Oh, this, my favorite is kid, <laughs> like we love Gauntlet. But then like me and one of my kids, we play uh, Kingdom Two Crowns all the time. That's like a newer game, but it's it looks like it was from my childhood. It's all retro. It's eight or 16 mm -hmm. bit look, you know, and but it's like a strategy game where you run around and try to build your kingdom up and everything. And like, he loves it. He doesn't care that it looks like that, you know? Exactly. It's like N Nintendo has leaned into that in a beautiful way. The indie yeah. stuff. Yep. A lot of, you know, a lot of the indie stuff is all pixel art and, you know, this re nice retro feel and they're modern games, but they're played as if, you know, they come across as like modern, but with a retro flair. And now come a lot of indie developers are making new games for old hardware. Like last year, there were so many new Genesis games that came out. And it's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Genesis games? This is 2022, man. Yeah. What's going it's on? Still a thing. I bought I bought a collection. There was um uh it was a I forgot what games they are. They're these sh top-down shooter games, and it was a collection of three or four games. And I bought the collection. I'm like, why am I buying this? I don't know. These are like old games, but it was just so cool to be playing these you know, new oh, yeah. old games. It was so good. Well, it's bought, so good. I think I paid for the, the Castlevania collection to play those old games again. And I bought a year ago, I bought my kids for Christmas, the little, um, 
handheld Nintendo that's Zelda one that's got like the original two mm-hmm. Zelda games plus Link's Awakening plus some other stupid thing. But like we played the original Zelda for hours, like me and the boys, we would, oh, yeah. the, and they would sit over my shoulder and watch and I'd watch them play and everything. And they love it. I mean, it's great. And it's like, I put that my game. childhood. You know? <laughs> I love that game. I put that game on. I put that game on in my old house. Um, I set up a pie and I put retro pie on it and I plugged in a controller. I set it up on my TV and I started playing the original legend of Zelda. And I'm like, I wonder how good this game holds. Because I play a lot of these games regularly, and I always wonder when I start playing, like, does this game hold up? Like, am I still going to have those feels for this game? And I can tell you with authority, most of the games that I loved as a kid, I still love now. And I don't know if that's just the nostalgia kind of linking me to my past a little bit. It could very well be. But I think there's something about these games that are just, like, immersive, even though they're not VR and 3D and surround sound, it's just there's something about them. It's like, no, this will suck your time away. This will uh, suck as much time as you're willing to put into it. <laughs> Just keep take great. it away. And take it away. Like, we started playing the original Metroid. and mm-hmm. man, That's a good one. Such a great it's game. It's a huge game. <laughs> yes, enormous. And we still haven't beat it on the replay yet. But like, the soundtrack is awesome. Like mm-hmm. all of a sudden playing that game, I found myself humming along and it's like, I remember it. Like it came like riding a bike. Like I knew it. I yep. knew all the music to the game. The same with, um, so way back, way back in 1999, um, your pal Vincenzo over here got the flu really bad, like really bad, like tied to the bed, which was six feet from the bathroom. And it's good thing. It was like, I had it horrific i could not do a damn thing and at one point my ex-wife said is there anything i can do for you that's going to make this easier i was like well since you can't make me better it's the only thing that literally would make it's something to do right just something to do i need something i'm bored out of my mind i can't do anything for more than a few minutes and she goes well you've been talking about that what's that Pokemon? Po- was it Pokemon? Is that it? I was like, I was like, yeah, if you could somehow make Pokemon re- Pokemon appear in my in my bedroom, that would be amazing. She goes, okay. So it turns out my mom was going to the mall that day. And she went with my mom and she got me Pokemon Red because she knew I loved red as a color. And she got me sh- the strategy guide and she handed it to me. She goes, this'll help. And I was like, oh my God, I was so excited. I was like, oh, finally, I have something to do. She goes, she goes, I figured the strategy guide was a good deal because where else are you going to get information? It has maps and stuff. So I just got you both. Enjoy. I played the absolute hell out of that game for about a week. And like, you could not take me off of it. Like, I was obsessed. So a couple of weeks ago, I met someone and she started, she got me playing Pokemon Go again. And I was like, you know, I wonder if Pokemon Red holds up. So I have one of those. I have an Ambernick handheld, and I put Pokemon Red on it. And let me tell you something. Pokemon Red holds up really, really well. Like, it looks old. Like, but the game itself, it's Pokemon. <laughs> like, nothing's yeah. changed. I'm going to have to get that and, for my boys then. <laughs> they're, oh, they're into Pokemon. Oh, my God. Now. I was, I'm, I'm telling you. I was in, I've been enjoying it. So I probably about, I've got seven hours on it at this point and I've lost two, 
because you know as with the old days sometimes those saves don't save yep. so i lost two hours at one point on it but man it's just been so much fun i've been playing it in my downtime like just sitting there and you know the music came right back and yep. seeing like i started playing i'm like i don't remember what to do but then you start doing stuff and it's like no i remember this oh i remember this okay i remember this you know you you're going through the tunnel under mount moon and you're like ah, i know what i'm doing yeah no this is fine i know exactly i know all the i know the way out i know where the stairs are i know everything and it's just all comes back and absolutely i think yes. we Same I, thing for I think we underrate Pennsylvania. yeah yeah especially games like that size right like these are all big games but you remember all of them because they were such a pivotal part of the experience of playing the games back then, you know, you just remember oh, yeah. it all. Well, and that's one thing I, too that I need to, I had this, you know, I've got an idea box somewhere, or I think I've got a folder in my phone. That's like screenshots. I grabbed that are potentially future ideas. And, uh, I saw, I don't even remember where it was a year ago or so, but I came across that picture of the end of Castlevania before you get to Dracula, where you're walking up the stairs to his chamber. And there's like, his chamber and there's the castle on the right and there's the half moon crescent moon in the background mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like there's all it's the coolest video and i remember as a kid like when you get to that part you're like oh man it's about to go down but just that scene, <laughs> like the coolest part and i'm like now seeing that again i'm like dude i should pixelize that and make it on the laser like i should do a layer yeah. thing of that on the laser and just make it awesome it's it's I feel like I know I know why people get upset when I get excited about stuff like that, like what you're talking about. I get excited about making I made a pokeball. I was doing some some tests with acrylic on MDF. I was like, well, what can I paint to just see how the oh, you know how to make a pokeball? I ended up giving it away. It turned out really, really good. I was very happy with it. And people are like, you know, you you're kind of stealing art. I'm like, maybe a little like but like if you make something with you know an old like an old ip that's not around anymore like are you really are you stealing it or are you actually preserving it mm -hmm. you know it's yeah. kind of like that weird like I, I get the i get the reticence to use stuff like that and I, there is this i understand but at the same time i'm not making this this that kind of stuff i don't make it to sell yeah, I make it because I enjoy it. I make it because it's fun for me. I make it because maybe someone that's close to me would enjoy it, and I make it for them. But I don't ever sell like licensed stuff. Like I would never do that because yeah. it's just. I mean, like I said before, I'm probably bordering on it with the the corner box art, and that's why I maybe put those up there. But at the same time, I think I've said, I know I've said it multiple times in my stories to people. Like, if you really want one of these, like message me. But like, if you really want one, you better tell me now because. Like I said, I get bored with stuff pretty easily. Like I'm an, I'm moving on from this. Like I got other, I got other things to do and I'm not uh -huh. back to this probably for a while unless somebody really wants to like commission a personalized piece or something like that. Well, I think it's, if I you want ever, it myself, then I would do too. But if you ever decide to do Transformers comic book art, yeah, you know, um, I'll be, I'll be paying attention. <laughs> I'll we be were, paying attention. So when we were at the, the assembly required that GI Joe festival, um, they had a bunch of, I mean, it wasn't just GI Joe stuff. They had other toy people there and they had other comic book people mm -hmm. there and they were selling all kinds of stuff. Ran across some of those. And then we ended up, there was another guy there that told us like, Hey, there's this other craft show. That's a comic book show. They also have crafter tables there too. So my brother called the guy and we ended up going and doing that one as well the next weekend. And it was tons of comic books and I was grabbing stuff and I was like finding the old cheap 
comic books that I might have brought a few back here. And I was like, the Transformer comic stuff's pretty dope. Like, there's some cool. Yeah. There's some. There was some really. There. And there's a Transformer it's, it's movie fun. coming out this year, you know. So mm-hmm. might have to be something coming for that. Which, what will most likely be the last Transformer movie, yeah, almost definitely. mercifully, because they haven't exactly been tremendous movies, but I still well, enjoy them. I yeah. own all of them. <laughs> Isn't it funny that, like, maybe this is just my opinion, but. Probably Michael not, because I have a feeling I know where this is going. Go ahead. Let's hear it. <laughs> Michael Bay ones were so bad. They're awful. And <laughs> They're terrible. The, the Bumblebee movie was actually good. Bumblebee was phenomenal. But it didn't do as well. So I feel like the stupid studio execs are now like, you know what? We don't need to do any more of that. We need to go back to what Michael Bay was doing. We need to make that. But, and that's what I feel yeah. like this stupid thing is going to be this year. But. I watched, okay, so Bumblebee, The I watched the Bumblebee movie literally because there was nothing else in of interest at the moment. And I'm like, you know, how bad could it be? I've watched the original movies and they were all pretty, like they went from kind of cool to Jesus Christ, this is awful. Like it, it, like it ran the spectrum in like five movies from, this is awesome seeing them in real life to, God, what are you doing? Like this yeah. is this is garbage. And then Bumblebee, I watched that and I'm like, this is what all the Transformer movies could have been. It, they could have been Bumblebee. Bumblebee was a great movie if you're a Transformers fan. And if you haven't seen it because of the Michael Bay disasters, forget that. Go watch Bumblebee, and you'll actually see what those movies could have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree so wholeheartedly, much potential. but we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll get it right. And, you know, and the that's what they do with all of our, our things. Like I, the Harry Potter stuff, we were excited to see, you know, the, the Fantastic Beast movies when that was announced. And then you get them and you're like, you didn't really do it with the. And then the, we went and saw the boys. We, we've been reading the Harry Potter books for the last several years. Um, we're finally to the last one now. But like, man, that last movie. We went and saw it in the theater, and it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was okay, okay, but it was you know. not the ending I was hoping for. <laughs> no, and then that's the, the last... sad part. Like that'll be the end. Like the, you know, they had grand yeah. plans of doing seven more or whatever, and it's like they're not doing any more of those. They're gonna pivot. They're gonna sign back to well, Radcliffe to be Harry Potter again or something. You know, <laughs> I felt the same way when the Cursed Child came out. I went, I bought it immediately. I was like, okay, it's Harry Potter. I need my Harry Potter fix. You know, the cursed child, how bad could it be? It's, it is in a, it, it, and I read it and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is, this is just bad. Like, it's just, it's just bad. That's all yeah. there is to it. It's just bad. And I had a friend who got tickets and she's like, I'm going to see it on Broadway. Do you want to go? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I, honestly, I really, I don't want to see it. Like, I didn't, there was nothing in the screenplay that made me want to see it become anything like i don't want to see it on on stage i don't want to see it as a movie i don't want to ever remember it happened i want to just forget about it like it just wasn't good yeah it's too bad but i don't know you mentioned uh other future projects projects or whatever but that that the harry potter world is i've done the wizard posters before but i think we're we're about to go nuts and then you know like i said a couple times i think my boys are nine so I'm running out of time to do this right where I get to like make them a bedroom or a room that is, you know, when they're 13, 14, they're not going to care. They're not going to want me to do anything right. probably. 
So I think this year is my goal to finally transform their bedroom and we're but I wanted to do Star Wars, but we had to be a consensus and one of one of the twins said no, he didn't want a Star Wars room. So I, I lost there, but I think we came to consensus on Harry Potter, so that's gonna be starting very soon and I'll probably have all kinds of Harry Potter content in the future about turning the room into basically like Gryffindor common room or something. One of the things, one of the things that I've talked about in the past is like when I became, when I started doing woodwork in October of 2017, um, I took Steve Ramsey's course to learn how to, to learn the basics. And I didn't realize, I, I didn't need the basic basics because my dad was a carpenter, but I never really learned from my dad. And it's it, it makes me sad to this day that it, my dad was an outstanding carpenter, like a, like a fine woodworker type carpenter, like really good at what he did. And I never learned from him. And it makes me, it really makes me sad, but it's just something I've just have to move on from. Like I am, I'm, I'm a woodworker now. I know what I'm doing. And through osmosis, as I was learning, a lot of the stuff I was learning was kind of triggering stuff that I saw my dad do. And I was ahead of what I was learning, even though I was just learning it. When you're, when you're in the shop with your, with your sons, does it ever hit you that I really want to impart this knowledge on them? Or is it just, it's kind of cool to have this hang with them and you hope they pick up what they pick up? Cause I know that my dad, I was always his helper, like, but he never said, you know, this is this tool. This is how it works. This is what you do. But I was always around when he was working and I was, I, like I said, I didn't realize how much I picked up through osmosis. Is that something that you feel with your kids? Do you feel an obligation to teach them? Or are you just going to have them in that orbit and hope that they express an interest that you can expound on later with them? I mean, both, but probably more the latter a little bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't want to push stuff on them to the point where they're just like annoyed with it. Um, they're still at the age, right. though, where, the, you know, I think their dad's cool. Probably days are numbered on that. <laughs> that <laughs> timeline's know, getting short, my friend. <laughs> but I remember having a conversation with my brother several years ago when um, he used to live not too far, and uh, we went over to his house. And I don't remember how he had. He's got two boys and a girl. The girl's the youngest. Um, I don't even know if she was born at the time, but he was wanting to redo their bedroom and do it in GI Joe style, and. I was over there and we were painting and turned it into basically made it look like GI Joe headquarters turned out awesome. But he, uh, we we're kind of talking and I was like, well, you know, like, why didn't our parents do anything like this for us? Like kind of handy. He had a bandsaw and he was just like blunt with me. And he was like, dude, our parents were lazy. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> and that's kind of stuck with me a little bit of like, yeah, they kind of, I never really thought about it at the time, but they kind of were. It's like they put in, like cowboys and Indians wallpaper when we were tiny babies, probably. Mm. And that was there until we sold that house when I was 17 years old, like nothing, <laughs> nothing changed. So to me, I kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to be lazy. And I was, I spent plenty, I spent my twenties being lazy. Like I've, I've had my share of couch time and my back suffers today for it. But like, I, I want to make, I want them to be involved as much as they want to, but I just want to do my part to make sure that I'm just not sitting around, that I'm doing stuff, that I'm trying to do stuff that I think is cool. Hopefully they'll, they'll want to take part in that. And, and honestly, like that's the other 
that's the other cool part of the YouTube channel. So my father didn't make a ton, but I do remember, you know, we made Pinewood Derby cars and stuff like that. My grandfather was kind of a carpenter because he had to be. Um, mm. My grandmother ran a county home in Southern Iowa and they had to, they, they were like self-sustaining. Like they had mentally disabled people and physically disabled people living in this home and they were responsible for them and responsible for feeding them and had cows and chickens and they grew their own. I mean, they, they had a farm and they were totally self-sustaining and actually made money for the county, which is insane to think about in today's standards. But like he was a carpenter and made stuff and I have zero video knickknacks photos. I have nothing like that from my grandfather at all. And if nothing else, I will have hopefully somewhat of a library of stuff I've made for my kids and stuff that we've made together that they will have someday when I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Like hopefully, you know, whether it's hard drives or on YouTube or in a cloud somewhere, like hopefully they'll have stuff that they can show their kids and be like, look at this crap we used to do. And look at this stupid stuff we used to spend time on. But hopefully they kind of have a living library. So even if my YouTube channel never grows to, you know, beyond what it is today, which ain't much, but, you know, at least I'll have that. Like that's the added mm-hmm. bonus to me is to have just the catalog of cool stuff like that. Yeah. I, that's, that's a pretty great goal. Honestly, I wish, I wish I had that kind of stuff. I mean, the only, th- I was thinking about it as you were talking, is like the only thing I have from my dad is the desk that this computer is sitting on. Like this, this desk, my dad made this desk. Is it the greatest desk in the world? Not really. Like as, as I've taken it apart and put it back together multiple times over the years to move it from place to place. But I'm looking at it now going, this is my one connection as far as things that my dad made because we didn't have video and nobody stood outside when my dad was in the shop and took photos. You know, I probably have more of a record of the stuff I've made in the short time I'm doing this than the stuff that he ever made. And he was doing it his whole life, you know? And yeah. Yeah. I could totally appreciate that. That's, it's a good way to look at it. It is good to not force it onto because I imagine had my dad forced this on me, I would probably rebel and be yeah. like, I don't want to do this just because you're telling me I should do it, you know? Yeah. Or it just wouldn't work uh, the same. But there's, that's the, you know, I don't have my kids and, you know, there is, well, there's the weird aspect of like, do you put your kids on YouTube? Do you, how much do you put them on there? Do I, I don't want to exploit my own children and I don't want people to really see my children. There's that part. But, but to me, again, we're just having fun and it's, I look at it too as like my kind of again personal video library and sometimes it doesn't make sense to have them in a video or they're not as interested maybe in what i'm like that wakanda forever poster they probably didn't care about they're not really in any, hardly any videos of me making that the lego shelves mm-hmm. they were down here all the time <laughs> like yep. you know they're more interested in that stuff or when i'm making them hylian shields you know they want to they want to be a part <laughs> and they are like yeah and Absolutely. i've rewatched some of those old videos god when they were like seven we were doing some of that stuff and I, I kind of made it a gig, a running thing where I would have them at the end of the video. After I got the project done, we'd sit at the workbench and I'd have each of them on one side of me and we'd, I'd just put the camera on and let it run and just talk about what we made. And of course, it's like herding cats, like they're running around, they're grabbing, <laughs> they're just, and it was like the best blooper reels. I rewatched one of those the other day and I'm like, I need to do that again, but I'm like, it wouldn't be nearly as good now. They're older and they're worried about like what they look like. They're starting to get to that, you know, but mm. 
time is isn't it great though like that you didn't not even realizing what you i mean maybe to an extent you realize it but like now when you go back and watch it it's like oh that was a moment in time that i managed to capture just half unwillingly you know yeah. it's just like oh it just it just happened like, like that's really cool that i caught that god <laughs> i did that yeah i think i don't remember if the first one was the hylian shield video it was either that or the we did a the when the mandalorian came out we tried to make the mandalorian rifle, rifle out of wood like i just took different pieces of wood and kind of cobbled it all together and made it look like that thing it's probably sitting over there somewhere but uh that thing still is not broke which is amazing um but <laughs> Yeah, we, we just sat at the workbench and then they were just running around screaming like crazy. And that, that Hylian Shield video, though, God, go watch the end of that video someday, just like the last minute of it, just to see the chaos that ensued and them talking about, you know, Elfie the Christmas Elf and stuff like that. It's great, <laughs> fantastic. It's been, it's been so great watching your, watching your channel evolve and watching the, even the quality of your work and what you're doing is you know, you've taken a bit of a pivot with, you know, with the introduction of the Glowforge in a good way. Like you've pivoted and you want, you've gone from more traditional woodworking to digital fab. And it's been so much fun watching your channel evolve and watching you kind of evolve as a creator. And even your presentation on video is, is progressively better and better and better. And it's just, it's good to see, it's good to see you're enjoying it. Cause I know, and don't take, I don't mean this as it's going to sound. So just take it for the compliment that it is. It's hard when you have a small channel to stay motivated to produce good content. It is. Right. And yep. your content has never been bad content. Like you, you produced content on a level bigger than your channel. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because I've, I've been watching your stuff for a while and I'm like, you know, if I can get you in front of a couple more people, I mean, I imagine we probably have a lot of the same people that follow both of us, which yeah. <laughs> defeats the purpose. But, you know, I feel like, you know, that I feel like I'd be doing my part in trying to get you out there to more people because I do appreciate the amount of effort that you put into your content. And I, I know from someone who has a small channel and a small podcast that sometimes it's hard. Like you look at the numbers and you go, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> you know, I even, even no matter how, no matter how many times somebody will come up to me and say they love this show, there's still a voice in the back of my head going, but nobody's listening. And that's not true, right? I know it's not true. I know it's not true based on people who come up to me. I know it's not true based on the numbers. I know it's not true based on the people that share it. I know that's not true, right? But in the back of my mind, that's that self-defeating voice. Sometimes it gets real close to winning out. And it's, I know how hard it is to shut it out. And I appreciate so much the level of the level of the quality of work that you put out and the stuff that you, the love and attention you put into the stuff you make on your channel. And I guess this is my little way of saying, I appreciate what you're doing and I really hope you don't give up on doing it anytime soon. So, yeah, well, I'm, de I'm definitely not. I mean, I agree. I totally agree. I've had, I've had those fleeting thoughts, especially with like YouTube and the YouTube numbers have just been so down lately. But like I kept, I just have to tell myself that like, if you just, if you keep going and you try to do a little bit each time. So my goal kind of this year, I mean, you can put numbers around like, oh, I want to be at 5,000 by the end of the year. And it's like, what are you going to do to get there? Like, right. I have to do stuff to make that number come a thing. So like, I'm trying to focus more on, okay, let's just say one video a month, one full video a month and, you know, sure. splice that up into shorts and try to use YouTube shorts or whatever. Cause apparently those are the only thing that gets views, but try to make, something better out of each one like whether it's a 
how I do my shots or how I insert jokes or new video editing, a video editing technique. Like I want to try to implement one new element into every single video. And hopefully by the end of 2023, I'll be that much better. And just, it'll be a better quality as we get, like my videos now are hopefully way better than I, when I started, even though. Oh, definitely. Definitely. My third video that I ever made is still the most watched video that I've ever had, which is insane. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's, yeah, whatever. But I mean, I've gotten help along the way. And again, that kind of goes back to where we started, like the whole community aspect of this, like people that do encourage you or try to help you and the workbench con experience, like I said, last year was awesome. And even what's funny is like, I had, I had such a great time and I met so many people and it was, the whole experience was awesome. Um, my flight didn't leave till Sunday night. So I was like stuck there. And I was like, well, I tried to wander around, but like nothing was open around there. The hotel was connected to some other stuff, but like not a lot to do. I ended up in the battery, which is like, there's tons of bars, restaurants. And I just kind of hung out at a bar and had a couple drinks and was just going through Instagram and messaging people back and forth and stuff like that. And, and, uh, I had a conversation with somebody and they were, they were really encouraging and like said, like, this is what you need to do. Like, if you really want to grow, especially on Instagram, here's what you got to do. And like, I don't know, just kind of had a great conversation, had epiphany. And ever since then, like I've, I'm more than doubled the size of my channel in the last 10 months of the Instagram, the Instagram audience. So I feel that has helped me, even though the YouTube numbers haven't been there, but every once in a while, there's a little nugget of something that kind of, that does keep you going. Like I put out a video right before we moved last year. It's like, man, what can I do? And I did a bunch of, uh, different French cleat holders. And it was a different style of video for me in that it was long. Like I, I, it's like 26 minutes or something. Like I don't usually do videos that long. I was like, I'll oh, just try it. Well, nobody watched it. Kind of had some mm-hmm. growth, but really not that good. It took like all year for it to get up to 700 views or something within the last two months. I think that thing's at like 5,000 now or something. Like all of a sudden, like Jimmy says, somebody opened spigot. Uh huh. The old man in the basement turned my spigot on. He rolls his chair. He rolls his chair to the left, and it's off the hose. Yeah, and I'm actually gaining subscribers again, where I was like totally just stagnant and not doing anything. Yeah, but I don't know. I'll just keep going. I mean, I hopefully some of my nerdy stuff will get some traction because it seems to be all my woodworking videos are the ones that actually do okay. (laughs) But that's the thing it's like you can't predict what's going to what's going to do well I even even like last I'm coming off and my YouTube channel is insignificant but that's because I've pretty much ignored it for the last 5 years right I I readily admit that the reason there's not huge growth on my YouTube channel is because I haven't put any effort into it and the last 2 months or so I've actually put some effort into it and last month I had a really you know statistically I had a good month and it's like oh you mean if I put the effort into this Something might come of it. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, maybe I should start putting some effort into it. So, you yeah. know, sometimes it's sometimes it's just that obvious. And yeah, it's getting over the slog and the grind. And if you if you enjoy it, then the slog and the grind is still a slog and a grind, but at least it's not going to kill you. Yeah. If you're not enjoying it, you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. Like I just I I'm not trying to discourage people, but if you're not having fun and it's a slog and a grind, 
maybe maybe yeah. this isn't what you need to be doing with your time. Yeah. Just because it's just going to, if you're not enjoying it, it's going to come through in what you're doing. It's going to come through in the attention you pay and you're just going to, it's just going to fall flat. It's going to land like a dead cat, as they say. And yeah, that's, you, that's true. And I mean, but there, there's what, like, again, I think coming back to the community like that, that helps. Like it, it sure. helps keep you going when you have, and even, you know, I've got kind of, several different like chat groups that I'm in on Instagram now with different people. And we talk on a regular basis and go back and forth or just tell jokes or share stupid reels or whatever. But like having those people that are there on nearly every post that comment and say something, even if you know, it's a stupid post, they'll still cheer you on like that. That matters a lot. Like it's made it better. It's made it fun this year. Like I, I've still had, I've had more fun in the last year doing this stuff on Instagram, even though the YouTube sucked. Like, the Instagram community, I think, has been awesome. Like, I've, oh yeah, I I used I put all my focus instant into Instagram, and that's why my numbers on Instagram are so much better. Like, I put a lot of effort into Instagram, being on Instagram regularly, posting regularly, letting people know what I'm doing regularly. And yep. yeah, I think it, I think part of it is just stop caring about what's going to pop off and just be you, yep. do you, post content. It doesn't and, matter. Like, like you don't even know. That's the thing. It's it's always the stupid video that you never like the stupid reel that you're like man this is so dumb i don't want to post this and you almost don't post it and then you post it anyway and then it gets twenty six thousand views and you're like absolutely why absolutely. the thing that i just spent all that time on sitting at 400 views <laughs> like yep yep i did i did two i did two reels i did a reel on i did a test cut on my cnc i did a test cut on my cnc it's just the super mario logo and i paint i hand painted it and i just showed it off and it got 13,000 13, views on reels. And meanwhile, my average reel hovers, you know, I get some that hit six. I get some that hit 100. I get some that hit 1,000. Like, is there a formula for what's popping off? Not even close. It's yeah. a, the formula is be in, people's, be in people's face. Let the algo know you're alive and hope for the best. Yeah. That's really all you could do. You don't have any control over it. So st stop worrying about it. Yeah. The only thing you have control over is whether you post or not. So yes. post. <laughs> try to try to make sure that you're doing it daily, and you know, the trending audio helps. But <laughs> it does. It does. One of my biggest reels. One of my biggest reels got like six thousand views, and it was like five thousand views, and it was just two seconds of me posting. This is my coffee. This is what I'm working on, and boom, it popped off in like a day. And I'm like, yeah. I, I have no like. Uh, to me, that's like garbage level content. But I also know that that's what I have to do to keep to survive on the platform. You have to make garbage level content. <laughs> do you think thousands of people, hundreds of people right now are making pencil sharpening videos because it's oh, good content? Yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> not they're making control. pencil sharpening videos <laughs> because everyone's enjoying them because they're funny. Yep. And the algo is going, well, people like pencil sharpening. Whoop, whoop, and just throwing them out there. So. Yep. Ah. <sighs> I'm probably too late for that bus now too. Still, never too late. I mean, every time I think it's over, a new wave of them starts, and they get more ridiculous. It's just, I think the pinnacle of ridiculous was watching Jeff, who was on a couple of weeks ago, do it with his um, do it with his um, shape Oko. Like I was like, okay, I, we've hit the peak. That's I'm it. Try it's to gonna get one in the Glowforge and see what happens, but. <laughs> I wanted to do I wanted to do one a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, I have my jewelry tools in here. Like, I wonder if I could like use a file in my jeweler's saw to like sharpen a pencil. I'm trying to think. I'm like, yeah, but that wouldn't film well. 
Like, it's so funny, too, because, you know, you're not just looking at, is that a funny idea? Sure, it's a funny idea compared to what other people have done. It's in, it's in line, on brand, everything's great. Is it going to film well? Probably not. Like, no, I'm not going to bother. It's a lot of effort to put in to get five people to watch it. <laughs> yep. yep. But what, pray tell, my good friend Grant, would be your thing of the week for this week? I am very, very curious to know what you brought to the table. Well, so I'm kind of surprised that I didn't bring this up like very, the very first second we started the show. Uh, my thing of the week is uh, the Komar project and his company ah. made because I freaking won that thing yesterday. What? I won. I won no way. Guitar. Yeah. That's like, cool. I was on. Uh, I'm still on cloud nine. I'm still in shock. Um, wow. Surprisingly, his YouTube video for that does not. It's like probably one of his poorest performing videos recently, which is sad because it's freaking amazing. Like, so it's yeah, the too. the great guitar giveaway. Um, I have known about it in the past because I know that typically Jimmy and, um, you know, Bob Claggett and Dave Picciuto for making it. They they've all participated in the past. Jimmy got roasted the one year that he well roasted his guitar and literally <laughs> yeah. i would have taken that thing so that was my intent was to i wanted to go buy tickets because you can buy raffle tickets for whatever guitar you want to pick and there's 24 of them i think uh, mm -hmm. so i wanted to buy tickets for jimmy's to try and win his and i kept forgetting and i knew i'm like well that deadline's like in mid late july and i kept forgetting i kept forgetting and then saturday i woke up and i was sitting around having my coffee and talking to my wife and i was like oh crap I think the deadline was last night. I missed it. So I get on my phone real quick and it's like 55 minutes until the deadline. I'm like, oh, yes, I didn't miss it. So then I end up going buying tickets for Dave's and Jimmy's. And then I remember Bart, I remember seeing his on his Instagram and seeing that YouTube video. And I was like, dude, that thing is so freaking cool looking. So I bought the <laughs> tickets for his. And then the live, they did a live stream. It's Crimson Guitars YouTube channel. They did a live stream yesterday and I was watching it while I was trying to work and i had it on in the background and they could they did jimmy's and they did dave's and i didn't even come close like my numbers like they just the number your ticket number is basically the order that you bought it and a, mm -hmm. a google random number generator and basically you know jimmy's was like number 26 or dave's was number seven like they were all really low numbers and i was like and i looked at my receipt and i'm like well i've got number 341 on barts and they pull his up and the guy says like well how many how many tickets did we sell and he says 341 like I've got 339, 340, 342. Well, I'm not winning. He puts it in the random number generator and I kind of look away at my work computer and then he says 341 and I'm like, did he just, he just read off. The <laughs> and I look back at the other screen and it's sitting there 340 and they're like freaking out. They're like, that's the first time that's ever happened. And I'm like, I think I just won that freaking guitar. <laughs> that's but awesome. So crazy. I cannot believe. And he, I actually, I messaged him and I actually met him. I went to a maker meetup in Chicago and that uh, I know from Luke in the garage, he kind of told me about this and I went out there to hang with him and, and uh, Dave, 3D DIY Dave. Um, he was there with the scanner doing the maker scan project. So I was like, well, I'll drive to Chicago. Sure. I want to get scanned. I want to be part of this. So I met Bart there and talked to him about some of this stuff. And that's, I, again, was following along this Instagram and that guitar, crazy. And I play a little bit, not very well, but I play enough that, Okay. I'll be able to shred it's off a beautiful a guitar. I get it. But he called me last night. He was really excited. And um, I'm, we're actually going, he lives in Chicago. We're going to go out to Chicago anyway in March. So I told him, I'm like, well, I'll save you the shipping, dude. Just keep it in your shop and I'll come 
like probably safer that way anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So wow. Yeah, everybody go check that. Absolutely out. It's amazing, and it's mine. It's gonna be mine. <laughs> oh yeah, as we've been talking, as we've been talking, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, there have been there's been B-roll of the guitar rolling. So don't worry, the people will get to see what it looks like. If not, I'll have a. Uh, I don't usually put links in the show notes for stuff like this, but just go to Komar Project on YouTube. It's like his third video. I can't believe I built this in three weeks. Win this guitar. It is a beautiful guitar. Oh, wow. that is. Well, hell, that's a that's a thing of the week if there ever was one. That's a really good one, man. <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy lucky. Cool. Man, so happy. My my thing of the week is, it's kind of twofold. It's kind of twofold. It's two things, but really they are directly tied to each other. So YouTube suggests, and I talk about this all the time, especially on this show, YouTube suggests weird things for me. But a lot of times they'll suggest something and it sends me down rabbit hole city and recently it suggested a channel to me called arcade matt and arcade matt lives in pittsburgh um and basically what he does is he goes to different arcades including cedar point in ohio um he goes to all these different arcades and he plays the claw machines all the skill games the claw machines the coin pushers the basketball ski ball all these weird different games that are out in all these different arcades and he teaches you he teaches you how they work. He teaches you how to play them. You can watch him play and learn strategies for how to how to play better at these games. Um, he plays carnival games, and it's a hell of a fun channel to watch. Like I could just, I literally the night that I found his channel, I think I probably watched about four hours of his videos, like just on continuously, just watching game, video after video after video after video. He seems like a really cool guy. His personality is really up and he's very excitable. He has a lot of subscribers, like almost a million subs doing this. And when he goes out, like kids recognize him because they watch his channel too. So it's fun watching this guy really kill these machines and showing you the trick to winning at them. And then every once in a while, he'll do a video because he owns some machines that are out in different arcades in Pittsburgh. And he'll show you how he services them and you get to learn how they work. And he'll take you inside and he'll be like, see, this is this is how you beat this machine right here. This is the trick, this right here. And it's cool as hell to watch. So one of the things he showed off in one of his videos is a game on Steam called The Coin Game. And if you've not played The Coin Game, you need to play The Coin Game. <laughs> the Coin Game is basically all of those skill games in a game that's open world. So you start out in an arcade. The premise right now, since it's in testing mode, the premise right now is you start out in birthday mode where you get basically an unlimited stock of cash and you're just let loose in an arcade that your uncle owns. But when you're bored in that arcade, you can pull up your transporter app on your, on your built-in game watch and you can transport to other arcades or you can actually trans transfer yourself over to the peers and play carnival games like shoot the red star and catch the duck. And it's just such an amazing, the, the experience of playing these games is so realistic. It's frightening how, like if you put headphones on, like the background noise is the arcades. Oh. And it's just, you hear people calling to each other and you hear barkers and the, it's incredible. It's like a, I think it's like a $14 game. It's impossibly cheap. It's, so much fun. So I guess my my things of the week this week are Arcade Mad on YouTube, which I will have a link to in the show notes, and um, 
the um, coin game on Steam. I highly recommend the coin game on Steam, even if you don't feel like watching Arcade Matt. The coin game will suck away a lot of your time. A lot, a lot, a lot of your time. It's just so much fun. And if you need more money, just start a new game. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's unlike the real ones where you run out of quarters. So it's, yeah. it, but it's it's really great. Um, it's actually made me really, really want to go to these, go to an arcade and play some of these games. I haven't played, I haven't been to an arcade, and oh my god, so the last time I was a kid was twenty eleven. Was the last time I was inside an arcade. Like it's it's, it's been a minute. Fourteen dollars. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I spent more than I did way more than a roll and a half of quarters that day. I promise oh, you. They've got a new but, one not far from us, and I think my kids went through twenty dollars in about four minutes. Oh yeah, just it, you burn money like that. So, so another thing that he does that I just I love, like he 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 takes he goes onto like some of the coin pusher machines. He's like, so how much can you win? So he just basically throws fifty dollars into the machine. And just keeps playing, 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 playing. Just keeps playing the machine over and over again. And he'll show you like, okay, so for $50, we came away with this many tickets. And then he goes to another machine. It's like, okay, let's start with $25 here. It's a regular quarter pusher machine where you actually get quarters out when you win. And he was showing. He's like, okay, so you start with $25. It's going to give you, you know, you play it through. He ended up with 15. Play it through again. You end up with eight. Play it through again. You end up with two. Play it through again. You end up with zero. So... (laughs) Over the long term, you're probably not going to win on that machine. Unless you get really, really lucky, you're just going to lose money. But it's still fun to play because you still have that little bit of hope because on some of those machines, they have little bonus prizes stuck in the pusher. And it's yep. it's so smart. Like, it's such smart content, and it's fun to watch. And sometimes it's just him playing games, and that's fun to watch too because I've learned how claw machines work. The next time I get in front of a claw machine, I'm going to win something for the first <laughs> time in my life. I've never won on a claw machine. <laughs> yeah. I need to show that one to my kids because that's the thing they always want to play. And I'm like, don't, don't do it. You're you're not going to (laughs) win. It depends. So what he's shown though, what he's shown, like the ones at Dave and Buster's are particularly favorable for winning. Hmm. They're rigged. They're rigged a little bit more toward the player. And I guess that's because they don't have to make their money only on the arcade because they got you in there to eat and drink too. So all there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so if you're going to play coin machines, apparently Dave and Buster's is a very good place to play coin machines that I've learned from Arcade Matt. See, this is what you learn watching YouTube. Like, I wouldn't have learned. I wouldn't have cared. But thank you to the algorithm, I learned all about claw machines and skill games. So there you go. <laughs> you know what You know what doesn't cost me any money but makes me money? <laughs> the people that support this show financially. And those people include... Matthew Serio from Artigiano Serio, Big Al Schultz of New York Woodworks, Tori Decker from Tori Did It, Ed Swanson of Ed's Clocks and More, Jake Drews of Make With Jake, Megan Chris from Onyx Designs Woodwork, Christian Neary of Warren Works, Jeff Stein, a.k.a. A Weird Guy, Kim and Garrett from Kim and Garrett Make It, Rory Langefeld of RLO Woodworks and DIY, Robert J. Keller, Rebecca Cole of Beck C Designs, Brian Arsenault, The Seven Hills Maker, Lars Coleman, Colorado Multicraft, Dave Bauer of Dave Bauer Art, who I owe a big thank you to because without him, there would not have been a show last week. I was incredibly sick last week, could not talk for more than a sentence without coughing my brains out. So Dave Bauer, let me use my appearance on Making Problems to Solve as an episode of this show, and I appreciate it tremendously, Dave. So thank you so much for that. Nick Birchtold from Birchtold Design Build, who's building something that's absolutely bonkers. And if you're not following my stories, follow my stories or follow his stories and go watch what he's making. It's crazy. 
Jeremy Spies, Mike of Pixels to Prototype, Donald LeBlanc of Fun with Woodworking, Grant Alexander from the Clamp Podcast, Brad Harrison of Brad's Customs, and Billy Poulton of Poulton Projects. Thank you so much to the people that support this show financially. If that's not something you're able to do, that's fine too. Leave a review, share the show, tell someone about it. Any way that you can help spread the word about the show is greatly appreciated. And in fact, we got a new review last week. Um, five stars, always a great listen. I wasn't sure the change in topics would be something I would be interested in. However, after listening to a few episodes, I found myself enjoying it as much as because we make. Vincent has a way with words that just can't be explained. Thank you for all your hard work to keep it going. I look forward to every Wednesday. That's Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks. Thank you, Greg. I really, really appreciate that. And hey, if you have a moment, jump on over to wherever you're hearing this and leave a review because every little bit does indeed help. Because then it allows me to get cool guests like my buddy Grant. Grant, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. I it was weird. I just kind of just out of the blue, I'm like, hey, you got you do anything next week? You want to be on digitally creative? I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I was like, all yeah. right, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, man. It's been awesome. Oh, no problem. Um, where can people find where can people find the stuff you make and find your work? And obviously, don't worry, whatever he says, if you don't catch it right away, it'll be in the show notes. It's always in the show notes. That's the way I do it. But Grant, where can people find you? That's right. Uh, I do have a website, dadcrafted.com. The YouTube channel is, I guess we have handles now. My handle is actually dadcrafted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm, for some reason, I'm dad underscore crafted. But I mean, if you, if you Google any of this, you'll find me. I got the stupid plaid logo. and Yeah. <laughs> it's very easy very easy and very distinct and definitely if you're if you hit up his youtube channel throw him a follow he's definitely worth following he makes really really cool stuff and i've enjoyed i've enjoyed your channel so much i can't wait to see what's coming i hope this year is a huge year for you i hope you kill it and i hope we're all there watching along with you so thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate you giving me so much of your time this afternoon yeah thanks Missy. it's been fun and that's going to do it for me. I hope you guys have a great week. I'm not sure what next week brings, but I promise you it will bring an episode of the podcast. So um, I will see you then. Until then, have a great week, everybody. <laughs>